0: is voting for jack because he's got what all the rest lack everyone wants to back jack jack is
1: on the right track because
2: he's got welcome back to the kennedy dynasty podcast i'm your host allison once again and i hope you are just having a fantastic week so far i am and i'll tell you why i am charting in great britain the u.s and canada on the top charts for history and I am so excited. I cannot thank you guys enough for the fact that you're downloading and subscribing and all the things. I just can't believe it, and I I just, I'm shocked (laughs) and so excited. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and yeah, I I, I don't have enough words to tell you how excited I am over this. It's it's pretty crazy to see Kennedy Dynasty on the top history charts. Yeah, I, I still can't believe it, as you can tell by my Lack of words. So (laughs) thank you so much. I got a pretty full episode for us today. A couple Q&As. I've got the in the news. And then, of course, I've got the normal episode. So I'm going to get started with the Q&A.
0: Therefore, an answer to your question.
2: I got a couple really good questions from Amanda Young, 1186. And I'm going to start with the first one. It is, will the world ever see Jackie's pink Chanel suit? This is something that I have myself somehow wanted to see, which I know that's probably odd. I don't know. I don't, do do we all want to see it? I don't know because I mean, it'll obviously be disturbing and sad if we ever saw it, but I don't know. It's, It's weird. So I've researched it before and we will never see it, unfortunately or fortunately. As I said, I can't decide how I feel on the subject. So Jackie's mother, Janet Auchincloss, was given the suit by Jackie's maid after the assassination who had placed it in a box. So Janet put it in her attic, basically, and wrote November twenty second, 1963, on the top. And it stayed there for quite a while. As far as the hat goes, no one knows where it is. They know that it made it back to Washington, but from there, there's really no trace of it. It's gone. My thought, somebody probably grabbed it when they saw the opportunity and has it as souvenir, for lack of other term. But that's, of course, not proven. I don't know what happened to it. Nobody does. So anyway, that box with the suit in it was eventually given to the National Archives in Maryland. And it had a note with it that was on Janet's letterhead, but it was not signed by her. And the note said, Jackie's suit and bag worn November 22nd, 1963. Obviously, they never cleaned the suit. And it's kept out of public view in an acid-free container in a windowless room. The precise location is kept secret. The temperature hovers between... 65 and 68 degrees and the humidity is 40 percent. The air is also changed six times an hour. I obviously quoted all of that (laughs) and those specifics. The suit was left to Caroline after her mother's death and In 2003, she signed a deed of gift, but with the provision that the suit be preserved but not displayed publicly until at least 2103. And it was quoted on there, so as not to in any way dishonor the memory of the late president or cause unnecessary grief or suffering to members of his family. Basically, we will all be dead by the time the suit, if at that point, comes out of storage. Pictures of it would be everywhere. It would obviously be in a museum. It would be... uh, Something that her children and their children and everything would have to see, and I do not blame her a bit for wanting that completely out of the spotlight until way after we're all gone. Maybe our grandchildren will see it. I don't know. Got another interesting question. This is will be an opinion-based answer, 100%. And she asked JFK's philandering, do you think social media today would have destroyed him? It depends. Um, I feel like the Kennedys were a powerhouse as far as being able to hide what they didn't want to be shown to the public. And also, nowadays, social media and press and everything has a way of finding everything. So that is something I really don't know. Obviously, I think that if his affairs and things leaked, then yes, that would be terrible for him um, politically and personally and everything. It would be everywhere, blasted everywhere, as we see has happened to multiple people multiple times. But if— he were here today, he probably would still have the same team behind him that are masters at hiding things. So, you know, who knows? As I said, if if it leaked, yes. (laughs) If it could leak, don't know if that's possible. So that's all for the Q&A segment this week. Now I'm going to get into in the news.
1: Big news story of the past seven days.
2: So I was reading that Former Representative Joe Kennedy III, which all of us know is the grandson of RFK, is joining the Poor People's Campaign and will push the Biden administration to focus on anti-poverty efforts. Why this matters is obviously that's a great initiative. And also, he's clearly looking to remain in the public eye on things that are important to him after he lost the bid for U.S. Senate. The reason I'm sharing this is because I think we clearly haven't seen the last of Joseph Kennedy III. I think he will continue his political pursuits, and we'll see where that goes from here. Okay, now I'm going to get into my episode. This is a really neat one to me. Uh, I learned a lot. I had obviously read some things before, but this time I actually really dove deep, and it's really incredible. So today's episode will be about Eunice Shriver and the Special Olympics. My sources for today, I used Wikipedia for a few dates and titles and things like that, but mostly I used specialolympics.org. I'll have a few direct quotes from there as to make sure that I got things right about her feelings and thoughts, but just a few direct quotes from there. Also, there's so many details that I could share with you of what I have learned, but as you know, my format for this podcast is a little shorter episode, so I encourage you to, when you finish this episode, dive into this topic for yourself. There is so much to learn about this incredible woman and this incredible organization, and of course, I'll talk more about her and her family and different facets in the future as well. So let's get started. Eunice Kennedy was born the fifth child to Joseph P. and Rose Kennedy on July 10th, 1921. She always had a heart for people with disabilities after especially growing up with her sister Rosemary and seeing the lack of programs that existed for her and how it was really hard on Rose, their mother, for there not to be any accessible outlets for Rosemary to be a part of. Also, disability was always considered really negative at the time and often hidden or attempted to be fixed, I say that with air quotes, as we all know of the very sad story of Rosemary. And if you don't know about Rosemary and her life, uh, refer back to a podcast episode that I did on her. I think it's titled With Her Name for more information about her. So Eunice just really wanted justice in the way people with disabilities were treated. She knew everyone was equal and wanted to give everyone a chance to feel accepted while also changing society's view of disability. Career-wise, Eunice became executive vice president of the Joseph P. Kennedy Jr. Foundation in 1957. It was, at the time, focused really on Catholic charities and stuff, but she completely changed that. And she made it more about researching the causes of intellectual disabilities and humane ways to treat them. And then she championed the creation of what was called the President's Panel on Mental Retardation in 1961. Now, this panel was significant in the movement from institutionalization to community integration in the U.S. and throughout the world. Guys, I mean, seriously, think about that. What an incredible thing that she changed just there in that one facet. There's so much that she did. Uh, She was also the key founder of the National Institute for Child Health and Human Development, which was a part of the National Institute of Health in 1962. And she helped to establish numerous other university programs, government initiatives, healthcare facilities, and support service networks throughout the country. She was unstoppable, basically. Eunice was naturally competitive. Growing up a Kennedy, that's Very much to be expected. She loved sports and she was definitely an athlete. And she loved mostly the unifying aspect of sports. She believed that if people with intellectual disabilities were given the same opportunities and experiences as everyone else, then they could accomplish far more than anyone ever thought possible. So with that, Camp Shriver was born. In 1962, she invited young people with intellectual disabilities to a summer day camp in her own backyard, (laughs) which is incredible. The goal of this was to explore children's skills in a variety of sports and physical activities, and the idea behind that first Camp Shriver began to grow a little bit. I actually watched a Maria Shriver interview in preparation for this episode where she said something about how Eunice treated every child the same, expecting and pushing the children in Camp Shriver and the Special Olympics to compete and do their best, just as she expected of her own children. Everyone was the same and is the same, and I feel like she single-handedly and with a lot of help, of course, but changed society's thought of disability. There's actually a really neat chronological calendar on specialolympics.org that details and dates all of the events that led up to the creation of the Special Olympics. For time's sake, I obviously can't cover every single date and event in numerous detail, but I definitely encourage you to look that up and research all of this on your own because it truly is inspiring and fascinating. Anyway, in July of 1968 was the first International Special Olympics Games. They were held in Chicago, Illinois. I'm going to play you a part of her opening remarks on that day here. Also, notice, though, while you listen, how much she sounds and speaks like her brothers did in speeches. I I just found it fascinating how alike they were, even the boldness of their speech and their accent and everything. So uh, pay attention to that as well.
0: In ancient Rome, the gladiators went into the arena with these words on their lips. Let me win. But if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. Today, all of you young athletes are in the arena. Many of you will win. But even more important, I know you will be brave and bring credit to your parents and to your country. Let us begin the Olympics. Thank you.
2: So in all the research that I did, I just found myself finding out that The Special Olympics is just that. It is so special. What began as one woman's vision evolved into Special Olympics International, which is a global movement that today serves more than 6 million people with intellectual disabilities in 200 countries. Along with all that, her children are also activists in the same way, with her son Anthony actually founding Best Buddies International, which he created in 1989 to foster one-on-one friendships between people with and without intellectual and developmental disabilities. I'm also going to play a clip here of her son Tim when he appeared on Oprah to talk about units in the Special Olympics. This one brought me to tears for sure. I was I was basically a crybaby the entire time researching all of this. I'm, I'm a softie. I can't help it.
0: Your mom is one of the people I admire most in this country. Well, thank you. Uh, and thank you. the fact that this started as a dream in the backyard because her own sister was mentally disabled.
1: Well, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extraordinarily powerful movement, I think because it's so simple. It's just about giving people a chance, you know, and everyone understands that. We all want that for our kids and for, for the athletes of Special Olympics, the experience begins so difficultly. You know, anyone can imagine what happens when a ki- child is born. You know, there's a there's the quick question, is the baby OK? Mm-hmm. There's two possible answers. Yes, everybody's excited. No, fear, heartbreak, sadness. Special Olympics is about taking that moment when everything is up for grabs, and there's tremendous apprehension, and saying that it's not what you're born with, but what you bring to the table. You know, that if you run that race with everything God gave you, you've won. Wow. And your mother knew this? I think my mother's vision uh, was partly born out of her sister, but Mm -hmm. also partly born out of her own determination and her own love of sport, which was unusual for a woman in those days. I think she just realized that, you know, sport is often dismissed. It's You know, people think it's less relevant, schools cut the programs. But sport is the one thing that brings us all together. We can all understand, you know, you may not understand disability, but you can understand 100 meters. You can understand soccer. You can cheer for a team that wins. That brings people together. Uh, I think it was that vision that that gift, that opportunity ought to be given to anyone.
2: The Shrivers as a whole are amazing, and they've used the influence and platforms that they have for so much good. I cannot wait to dive deeper into their family and share with you guys my research along the way. Eunice passed away on August 11th of 2009 at the age of 88. She and her family have made, as I've obviously (laughs) shown you today, such a positive impact on our society and have above and beyond answered the Kennedy call to public service. I have a book recommendation for you if you want to learn more about Eunice. It's called Eunice, the Kennedy who changed the world. So the little informational blurb about this book is the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist examines the life and times of Eunice Kennedy Shriver, arguing she left behind the Kennedy family's most profound political legacy. I'll put a link to purchase that in the show notes of this episode if you are interested. That's all I'm going to cover on today's topic. If you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor. Please, please, please rate it five stars and write a review. That helps me out so much. Guys, I have a super cool guest and episode planned for next week that I'm beyond stoked about. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that one when it releases. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. I guess that's all from me this week, and I will talk to you guys next week.
0: Welcome to the third National Special Olympic Games. And to you, young athletes, congratulations. How we all wish here on the Superstand that we could perform like you will in the next two days. You will run faster, you will swim faster, you will jump and throw farther than most of us in the stands ever will dream of doing. You are the true champions, and we are proud of you. So boys and girls, run your fastest and do your best. But here at Special Olympics, with seven nations represented, what nation you come from doesn't matter. We don't care, your age, your size? We don't care. Your beauty? We don't care. Tonight we are here for one great reason. To see you and again, and to celebrate how marvelous you are. <laughs>
1: Just two brands having lighthearted conversation about history, pop culture, and the context of current events. Listen to History Teachers Talking Podcast from Evergreen Network, anywhere you get your podcasts.